1: Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window podcast, where this week we will be bringing you exclusive news on a Manchester United transfer target. We'll also ask what's next for Cristiano Ronaldo, while assessing Liverpool's spend, spend, spend response to the Champions League final defeat. All that plus the crazy demise of one of Portugal's great clubs, as well as a quickfire round to whet your appetite for the World Cup. With me this week is transfer window legend Duncan Castles, and I'm delighted to say that we're joined as well by one of Portugal's leading football writers, Sergio Critanas of national newspaper Record. Uh, you will probably realise this is Ian McGarry, not Johnny McFarlane presenting. He's still away butterfly hunting with Henry. However, I will do my best to keep you guys going. Now, straight to the uh, the big news, Duncan. Um, as ever, you've uh, given us some insight on someone who Manchester United are pursuing and indeed may well be signing this summer. Can you just please uh, give us the name of that player and indeed uh, an update on what's happening?
0: Yeah, the player is um, Diogo Dalot. He's a right back at FC Porto. He's just broken into the first team at Porto this season. Um, Extremely highly regarded in football. It's kind of, uh, if you watch him play, you'll see why Jose Mourinho is interested in signing him. He's physically strong. He's quick. Um, very good crosser of the ball, scores goals um, and a solid defender um, and fits very well with the profile of uh, right-back that Mourinho has been targeting in this window. He didn't want a first-choice right-back because Antonio Valencia is the the team captain uh, and has been one of his, his best servants over the two seasons he's been at Manchester United. But he wanted a player to put pressure on Valencia, Um, And also to take some pressure off in the sense of being able to have a player you could trust to play a certain number of matches in the season, give Valencia more time to recover physically, and then um, develop him as a long-term replacement for Antonio Valencia, who's now 32. Um, Understand that United have been working on this deal for quite a while. They have um, an outline agreement with Porto. The price would be €20 million, which... um, uh, is relatively cheap in terms of the potential of the player. But um, part of the reason for that is he only has one more year left of contract at Porto. I think Porto have an option to extend for two more years, but they're not in a, in a, a strong position to retain him. There is interest from other clubs and there is a, a sense that um, United might want to tie this one down uh, rapidly before those other clubs um, try and get in on the deal. Uh but I think a lot of work's been done with the player um to convince him that uh, Manchester United is the is the place to progress his career. And I think um Sergio can tell us more about the player as as a as a guy who's watched um watch some of them live. S- yeah, Sergio, yeah.
1: What, Sergio I was just gonna say how you've you've watched uh play this season. Do you think he will be an
2: easy fit to the English Premier League? Um, well, first of all, is uh, definitely one of the most uh, talented players that we have right now in Portugal. Um, actually, he, he played some some games in the first team, but uh, I think all the games he played, or most of most of them, were as left back uh, because he played when uh, Porto couldn't we didn't have Alex Tellers, the Brazilian, who is a starter as left back, and um, because as right backs, Porto has uh, two players who are had two players who are. Very, very experienced and, and solid, which are Maxi Pereira from Uruguay and also Ricardo Pereira, the um, right back that uh, they sold to Leicester recently. And so Dalo was uh, was a, a project for the future, but he, uh, from the national teams, uh, he was always um, above his, his age group in the national teams. When he was 16, he was already playing for another 18 team, and he's um, probably the among the the two or three best players uh, in Portugal of his age, um, this is a good time. Uh, it's a good deal for Porto as well because 20 million euros it's it's a lot of money for a, a Portuguese club, especially for a player which uh, um, right now is not a key player for Porto, but uh, I believe he will he would be a key player um, in two or three years. Uh, but Porto, with all the problems they have with the financial fair play. Um, they they could get um, a good a good uh, value for a, a player that uh, was not a starter actually, but his is um, if the plan at at Man United is to make him grow and and um, see him as a potential starter and full starter in two or three years, he's definitely a great great signing. And Duncan, I think
1: it's very interesting what Sergio says that he made several appearances at left back, which of course have been one of Jose Mourinho's really uh, difficult positions to fill in his two years there. I mean, is there a possibility he could even, you know, come in at left-back? Obviously, he's had a lot of trouble with Luke Shaw.
0: I, I don't think the idea is to bring him at left-back. Obviously, Jose likes players who have the ability to play multiple positions. He's always like that type of player, likes to have them in the squad. But we know that um, Jose wants two full-backs in this summer um, and the the one... That he wants as a, as a proper starter as a left back um, because it's, it's been a problem position for him for, for the two years he's been at the club um, they're still working on Alexandro, um, Alexander wants to come to Manchester United uh, there are negotiations to be had with Juventus over the fee um, Matteo Darmian might be thrown into that deal um, I think they, they've finally got Darmian to accept that his time at, in English football is up and he's keen to go to Juventus So, um, we saw Juventus uh, talking last week that they were going to have discussions with Alexandro's agent about um, whether he would be interested in a new contract. From what I understand from the Italian side, that's very much uh, part of the bargaining process to try and put pressure on uh, Manchester United to pay more for a player who Allegri has identified as one of the ones, uh, one of five or six players in that squad that he's prepared to sacrifice. Um, as part of a big rebuild with the aim of um, finally bringing the Champions League back to Juventus after the, the, the two um, failures or near things he's had in finals during his uh, four years at the club.
1: Well, as you know, <clears throat> regular listeners of the transfer window, we like to start off with the uh, the news that to, no one else will bring you first. And we have done that. So listen out, watch out and read about Diogo Dalot the fullback who Jose Mourinho is chasing to uh, strengthen his squad in Manchester United, and from one potential future United player to one United player of the past, who may well be moving on again. Sergio, I want to ask you about Cristiano Ronaldo. You're an amazing countryman who uh, won his fifth and record Champions League title uh, last weekend in Kiev. And then, to my surprise, and I think probably to the surprise of everyone else, who's not a fan of Real Madrid, because let's face it, this is a team who seemed to treat winning the Champions League with a sort of, you know, the same way as we all go up and have our breakfast. But <laughs> uh, both Gareth Bale, we'll come to him later, but Cristiano Ronaldo spoke about his time at Madrid in the past tense after the game. And then almost he, he could have uh, expanded on that by saying, now is not the time to discuss my future, but I will give an answer about it in a few days' time. What, what's your reading of that, Sergio? And, and, and why do you think he made those comments? Uh, directly after the victory in Kiev
2: Um, for us it was even worse because um, to the Portuguese TV was the broadcast he said uh, um, something like uh, uh, my agent knows about it and uh, uh, in the next days there will be some news about my future Uh, like he was totally hinting that he was leaving Madrid Mm-hmm. Uh, but the following day, actually, we, it was a huge story for us. But honestly, I think most people in Portugal just thought he was trying to get a new contract uh, because he has done it in the past. This kind of uh, um, behavior of a, a spoiled kid, and and uh, basically the day after, we 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 made some inv- investigations and we uh, we found we. It was clear that it was just a matter of him being upset for the, having a not a brilliant game for not having scored in the final, and he was upset. Of course, there's issues with with the Real Madrid with Florentino Perez. Uh, we know that um, uh, last year uh, he, he he was told there was no money for for um, a pay raise for a new contract, and then the, he saw the club chasing Neymar and willing to pay 300 million euros for neymar um the same time so he's upset with that and by the world the fifa world uh, um, the the club world cup um he was uh, offered um, a new contract with with a pay raise by objectives uh, mm-hmm. which he found a bit insulting because after so many years scoring goals and giving trophies to real madrid it was a bit insulting for him to to be dependent on getting or not uh, trophies and then scoring goals to increase his salary, um, so the relationship with with the president is not good. But honestly, I think I think Cristiano knows that he will not find a better club for him than than Real Madrid, and right now is is the club that suits him better. Um, so he he will stay for at least one more year over there. Sergio,
1: you you know Cristiano probably better than most people uh, listening and, and certainly was talking, I think one of the questions we all want to hear is uh, to the answer to is, do you think he was very, very upset that, that Gareth Bale scored the spectacular overhead kick, the one that he had scored at Juventus, <laughs> and thought, oh, I'm not having this, I'm out of here?
2: Could be, but uh, I, think, I think it's uh, just a matter of not, not having this scored his this goal, you know, not being the key player in the final um especially when he had, the, he was he had, almost had a chance to score but then there was this fan who came in the pitch and and the the game was halted um but um of course he's, he's extremely competitive to himself to everybody else against uh he does that with Messi he does that he, he does that with with all, the, all all the his teammates as well because he wants he wants all, always to be the best player the best man uh, so it's it's something that um i think it, it's it's something that makes him uh, really great as a footballer uh, and probably it was this this uh, this will of of being the best every day every time that uh, brought him to the level he's currently at um so i wouldn't be surprised if if he was a bit uh, upset for uh, that uh, overhead kick was was uh, was caught in the final, and it was not his. It was Bale's. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and Duncan, um, two questions for you. First of all, do you agree with Sergio that this is a, a, a negotiating, of a, you know, position for Cristiano to get a new contract at Real Madrid? But also, if he does or doesn't, what does that mean for Gareth Bale?
0: I, I agree with sergio on a lot of that analysis i think um one thing that that's kind of bypassed people in terms of uh talking about cristiano's performance in that final was that he was probably at best three quarters fit having um having had an ankle injury in the in the classical um not long before the final and i think that you saw the effect of that in his performance. He wasn't quite as quick to the ball, quite as sharp as he usually is. And I think Sergio was absolutely right. It was a, you know a huge amount of frustration on his part not to be able to score in another final. Um, I think his contract situation is a difficult one. Um, he is definitely angry that uh, it's, it's a long-standing issue. The, the previous season he was promised an upgrade on his contract by Florentino Perez. That, that, contract, that contract upgrade was not offered in the summer. Um, during the summer, Neymar went to uh, Paris Saint-Germain and was given a contract um, substantially superior to uh, Ronaldo's €21 million Euro net basic deal there, making him the highest paid player in the world. Then Lionel Messi got the same terms at... Barcelona with a massive um, 100 million euro signing on fee so he then had two players um, being paid more than him substantially more than him uh, Florentino Perez having reneged on a deal the previous summer and his argument is I'm the best player in the world I should be paid the wages of the best player in the world and expect the the club to come up with that his difficulty in terms of forcing Real Madrid to pay that is where is he out He doesn't want to go to Chinese football, where he probably could get that money. He wants to carry on for for many years in the European game, winning um, as many of the top prizes as possible. And uh, obviously on on Saturday night, set set another of those records, which is the most uh, Champions League-era wins as a player. Um, And... If he is to move, where does he go to? Yes, Paris Saint-Germain would like to take him, but Paris Saint-Germain now have substantial financial fair play worries and are not prepared to uh, let Neymar go to Real Madrid. In fact, they they have a strategy in place, should they need to enforce it during the summer, which is to tell Neymar he has two options. One is to play for Paris Saint-Germain, or the other is to not play for Paris Saint-Germain and not play football at all. They're not, they are not. They are insistent they will not let their flagship signing leave the club. So if Neymar doesn't go, there really isn't any space for Cristiano Ronaldo at Paris Saint-Germain in an era in which they are under pressure from UEFA to get their finances in order and at least have a, a semblance of coherence with financial fair play. The other one would be Manchester United. And again, I'm not sure Manchester United have the the readiness within the board to sanction the transfer fee involved, which would probably be 100 million euros, and obviously the wages, which would be, uh, you'd be expecting 30 million euros net per year as a basic. Um, And they've also spent a lot of money recently on Alexis Sanchez, kind quite the same position, but the same area of the field, Um, not the same status, but a similar level of status. So I, I'm not sure he, he has an out which obviously if you don't have an out and you're trying to negotiate with the club then you've got to use other tactics to do that and I think that's what we saw on Saturday It was one of those other tactics which was to to cause a public fuss um, to try and get uh, the fans to pressure the club to resolve the situation and um, I think we've just got to see how that pans out whether he gets what he wants. I think Sergio was absolutely right the offer um, that was eventually made this season to Cristiano was of a pay rise, but on a performance-related basis, and he found that insulting. And that has kind of added further fuel to a fire that's been burning for, for over a year now. Sergio, um, a quick
1: question for you. At what yeah. point will Cristiano Ronaldo admit that he's just human? And therefore, he he must conform to what everyone else, who's human, believes, and that is that he's getting older, that his um, maybe just maybe his peak of his career is behind him, and therefore he needs to settle for that dreadful three hundred fifty thousand pounds per week salary that he currently earns at Real Madrid.
2: Yeah, yeah actually, when Duncan was was uh, talking about his um, the lack of way outs for him and. We have to think that he's already a thirty three year old player. Uh, so um, uh, to sign Cristiano Ronaldo right now would be I think it would be a bad deal for the club that signs him uh, yeah. if they If they have to pay one hundred million euros plus a four or five year contract paying thirty million euros net per season, it's it's too much money. Uh, for a player that will hardly give it back to, to a team, um, it's it, it's a very good question, and I think that uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I've uh, thought about this about what will Cristiano will do when his career, his football career is over, because he doesn't want, it and I don't see him as a, as a manager. Um, I don't know what, what he, how how will his life will be when he has to wake up every morning without the need for uh, go to train and, and prove himself again as the best. Um, because all his life was, was, was driven by that since he was 12, 13 years old and he left Madeira to, to come to Lisbon to Sporting. Uh, he, he worked every day of his life to be the best uh, playing football. So, when he lacks that, I think his life will be probably really, really hard. Hmm. Uh, from now, I think Zidane was really smart the way he managed him this season, the way he hasn't played every game, because he, he can't play every game anymore to be at his top level when, when, when the decisions come. Um, also, in the national team, he hasn't played every game. Uh, friendly games, he's not playing all. So it's um, it's. Uh, I think that he's realizing that his body can stand uh, to be playing 60 games per season, 90 minutes per game because it's it's impossible for w- when you are uh, 33 and you're playing su- uh, in such a physical way, su- such an intense way. It's it's really hard for, to keep that level for so many years. Um, let's. We in Portugal, of course, we are hoping that that is uh, at his best physical level when he when he goes to the World Cup, because we we need him at at his best to be to be uh, a dangerous team in the World Cup at least. Mm.
0: And I, you know. I I, th- I think um, I think we have to take Cristiano Ronaldo in trust on this. He stated his intention to play until his forty. Um, he wants to set as many records as possible. Um, Obviously, this season he didn't play as many games, but he started the season with with an injury that took a while to resolve and also was suspended for for an early part of the season. But if you look at his numbers, um, they are... So he's sustaining a level of scoring more than the goalie for um, the best part of a decade now. I mean, we had a debate earlier on in the season um, about whether Mo Salah was a candidate to replace Cristiano Ronaldo's Ballon d'Or winner on the back of the season. And I just referred to the numbers um, because Salah was being credited with this incredible Champions League season. He scored um, four less goals in the Champions League than Ronaldo did this year. Yeah. So, so Ronaldo is still able... To deliver at that level and i i i can see why any club will be worried about paying a huge transfer fee for him and paying those wages but i think he has kept his body in better condition than any footballer ever to be honest he,
2: he. that's that's definitely true duncan it's i totally agree with you on that he he's been preparing himself to play at uh, until he's 40 uh, for sure yes.
0: And I I think you're absolutely right. In uh, I was thinking about this, uh, this the the topic you brought up there um, this past week. I think you're absolutely right. One of the reasons he wants to play to forty is he um, he needs the competition and the drive in his life. It it, is a fundamental part of his his existence. Um, And that if you're a club trying to say, do we take Cristiano from Real Madrid? Because we know that Madrid. Florentino Perez will take the opportunity to sell him if he feels he can get away with it, um, if he can run it off as a PR move. There, there will be a time when he'll try and move the player. If you're the club trying to make that decision, you've got to look at those factors and say, this isn't a normal player. It's not even close to being a normal player. He's psychologically motivated to keep delivering at the top level um, at least for another four years. So maybe that contract decision isn't isn't as as a dangerous a contract decision as it, as it might look on paper.
1: Well, Cristiano, uh, we know you're a big fan of the transfer window and you you listen in every week. Uh, I'd just like to, at this point, say you're welcome to play in my five-a-side team even if it's when you're 60. You'll still be the best player on the pitch uh, mm-hmm. and we'll buy you a pint after the game. Um, from one uh, freak of nature to a force of nature, though, Duncan, Gareth Bale. Um, unusual, very unusual for Gareth Bale to be so openly... Uh, talkative about his future at Real Madrid. He's always backed off of those questions, but here we are. He's just scored a wonder goal. People are saying maybe the best goal ever in Champions League history, etc. And says straight away, I need to be playing week in, week out, and I'm not doing that. And that's something we have to resolve.
0: Will he leave this summer? I think there's a big difference this summer. I think um, every summer, up until this stage, Gareth Bale has not wanted to leave Real Madrid. He's been happy there, um, he is phenomenally well paid there, um, most of his early seasons were successful ones there. Um, there was The pressure on the move was coming from external factors or from Madrid um, being open to selling the player, it wasn't coming from the player. I think going into this transfer window, it's been very... It's been made very clear to Gareth Bale that if he wanted to resolve his situation at Madrid, he needed to have a good end to the season. We've seen that on the field. We saw it particularly in the final. Um, I I would note that he came on in the perfect time of the game. He came on when Liverpool were tiring. Um, So the opportunity was there for him to make his mark in the game and he did it in the the most incredible style. I I think arguably the, the greatest Um, Champions League final goal ever, not just for the quality of the finish, but for the quality of the 20-pass move that that led to that goal being scored. But that was a man with something to prove. And that was a man who, when he went into that interview, wanted to make it quite clear that he was ready to move and to put the pressure on Real Madrid to make a decision over him. He's fed up with the way he's being treated there. He wants to be playing uh, more regularly. He wants a better status in the team he doesn't want to be criticized by the spanish press on a regular basis he doesn't want to be the scapegoat so madrid do you want to keep me and if you don't is there a club out there who is prepared to pay um the huge amount of money it would take to get me on their squad and and um what he certainly caused is a a media backing a, a supporter um Almost desperation and pressure on the clubs who have been linked with them to do something about it. I think if he'd had, yeah. if he'd had a normal game in that Champions League final, if he'd come on after 30 minutes and the team had won and he'd not had any great role in it, you wouldn't have Manchester United fans clamouring for the Glazers to spend money on signing him because they'd pretty much given up on that idea and felt that he wasn't he wasn't worthy of the of the money involved. But now. Now he's perceived as being that. And I, and I suspect that um, his agents watched that game and had a very, very enjoyable night, um, thinking that what was a big problem for them was maybe going to turn into a big payday for them this summer.
1: Sergio, like, um, a bit like Bale, um, although not as forthright, Aidan Hazard at Chelsea has refused to rule out leaving Chelsea this summer. A disappointing season, obviously, under... Antonio Conte, who is expected to leave. Uh, OK, they won the FA Cup and he scored the winning penalty. But, however, has intimated that he, he has a decision to make now. We know that Florentino Perez is, is, is a very, very big fan of Hazard. Um, personally, I see there being scope there for Hazard to Real and maybe Bale to Chelsea. W- would you think that would be a good move for both players in both clubs?
2: Well, um, I have some doubts about it, honestly. Um, I'm not sure if Hazard would... would uh, of course, he's a, he's a tremendously gifted player. He's, he's, um, he's a top, top player. But uh, I'm not sure if he's... Um, Real Madrid seems uh, such a balanced team right now with, with Zidane playing those uh, three midfielders. Um, Cruz, Modric and Casemiro. They have Ishku as well. Uh, so uh, I have some doubts if, if uh, Hazard would fit well in Madrid. But of course, uh, especially if they have Ronaldo there um uh, so that's but it's a matter of of uh, of um seeing what 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 the the plans are because uh, if they're going to change him with gareth bale it's uh, they're changing a substitute uh, for a player that comes to be a starter yeah um so uh that's that's where all, all my doubts are based because madrid they've won the um, last three champions league and right now for this type of clubs winning the champions league is uh, uh, almost more important probably I would say more important than winning the domestic league um and uh, the team is is well with Zidane and he hasn't changed he, he has played the last two years with the same lineup so i don't see how, how and how and why Zidane would like to have a, a player that will come to be a starter and to be a a, a star in the team i just
0: I, I just I just don't think Chelsea can afford that move. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. they've made uh, Eden Hazard a, a very good contract offer, which I think will take his, his salary in towards the region of £300,000 a week. From what I understand, Gareth Bale is earning €600,000 a week at, at Real Madrid. So um, unless Madrid are prepared to subsidise uh, the, the sale of their um, what was the record the record uh, world record signing in one of their Galacticos. Um, I don't see a club like Chelsea um, with their current financial situation being having having the wherewithal to take. So, it. Which, so can, you
1: use, can you just clarify then? Because lots of reports this week have, have put Cristiano's salary at three hundred fifty thousand pounds, which is almost euros, and then um, Neymar's at five hundred and Messi's at seven hundred and fifty. Obviously, with that uh, signing on feet.
0: Surely he's not earning less, sorry, Bale's not earning more than Cristiano. No, Cristiano is a a 21 million euros net. Net per year, okay, okay, that's good to know, yeah.
1: I'll know where I'll go if I need to get a loan, you know, for going out first Friday, Saturday night, you know, Riesel Curry, etc. Um... Let's move uh, this conversation to transfer this summer and possibility, guys. Kylian Mbappé, who's been outstanding for Paris Saint-Germain this season, uh, we know that PSG are struggling to meet their financial fair play commitments and need to do something very quickly in order to satisfy uh, UEFA that they are conforming rather than uh, rebelling against them. Um, Mbappé, as we know, is on loan from Monaco this season, but with a Contract, which will see him transfer permanently to PSG for a very large sum indeed. Seems to be there's a lot of stories, and I do believe from my own contacts that there is good ground for them that Monaco might be about to uh, consider a bid from somewhere else. And indeed, PSG may well be uh, looking to uh, pull out of that deal in order to satisfy FFP, Duncan Mbappe has been linked with Real Madrid and Manchester City. Would you see him at one more than the other, or do you think he will stay at PSG?
0: PSG want to keep him. Um, The only way he moves out is if PSG are forced to um, change their balance sheet by either not going through with that transfer, um, sending him back to Monaco and allowing them to sell him to someone else, or going through with the transfer and then trying to sell him at profit to... Um, one of Real Madrid or Manchester City, they don't they don't want to do that, and for obvious reasons, they've got the best young footballer in the world on the books. Um, he's part of the long term project, to or the short, medium, and long term project to win the Champions League. Um, they will do everything they can to retain him. However, they do not know how severe the sanctions from UEFA are going to be. UEFA are haven't said anything publicly, but they're intimating that they will cause PSG damage and and cause them to um, have their sponsorships um, from Qatar re-evaluated, which will effectively, substantially reduce the revenue for FFP purposes and then make it difficult for them to complete that 180 million euro transfer and keep his wages, which I think are 13 million a year, on the books. Um, If he moves, I I would think Real Madrid is the most likely destination for him. Um, it's a club he's always wanted to play for. Um, he, ironically, he had the opportunity to do so last summer. He did, he'd agreed terms uh, uh, with them before they agreed to transfer fee with Monaco. Um, and then uh, he and his father decided to effectively delay his move to Madrid because they didn't want to go there um, at this particular time in his career um, with Ronaldo still at the club, or if Ronaldo had left that summer with him having being seen as a direct replacement for Ronaldo. He didn't think either of those scenarios were, were good for his, his career development in terms of the pressure that would be placed upon him. And also Paris Saint-Germain came in with a much bigger financial offer. Um, Pep Guardiola made a, 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 a strong attempt to convince him to come to Manchester City last summer. City, if they feel they have the opportunity to buy a player at that level, will definitely go for it. But I think if it comes down to -to head-to-head between um, Real Madrid and Manchester City in the summer market, the likelihood would be that Mbappe would go to Madrid.
1: Sergio, I think we're all aware of um, Real Madrid and and particularly um, the president, Florentino Perez's, use of, let's say, the dark arts, in order to get what he wants yeah. and um, it, it looks to me like their um, very public and, and consistent link to Neymar over the last 8 or 9 months may well have been a ploy or let's say a, a stalking horse um, in order that they may actually secure Mbappe instead would you go along with that?
2: Well, um, I agree with Duncan when he says that Mbappe is uh, the best young player in the world. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I, I honestly see him uh, being probably what Ronaldo and Messi are right now. I see him being that player in five, six years because uh, he's a tremendous, tremendous player. Um, Florentino, he always wants, wants this player profile stars, uh, but the fact is with Zidane, he, he hasn't signed any any of these kind of players. And um, Zidane has, has the um, on his side, the fact that he's won the three Champions League in a row. So I think he has um, the power and the strength enough to, to, to tell him, no, I don't want Neymar or I don't want Mbappe. I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm not quite into... Um, Real Madrid transfer transfer policies, but um, from, from the outside, that's that's how I always how I see it. Um, I, I can imagine Mbappe could could fit uh, could suit Real Madrid uh, maybe to play instead of Benzema or play as a replacement to Ronaldo, but um, but I don't see I, I don't see Zidane accepting all the stars just because they are good for for the image of the club and to. Uh, for marketing purposes, like uh, Florentino apparently thinks. So, um, probably Zidane has has more uh, strength in Real Madrid than than everybody, than Florentino likes, probably, and wants.
1: And, well, I agree with you there, actually, as as well, Sergio. I think there will be a a huge amount of um, leverage needed to get Mbappé out of uh, PSG or indeed anywhere else to get him to Real Madrid. Although, of course, the Dan being a bit of a legend in France may well be able to persuade him. Yeah. Um, from the uh, from the winners of the Champions League final to the to the to the losers, and uh, indeed uh, Liverpool caught most of a surprise, um, almost like Lloris Carras facing a Gareth Bale thirty yard shot uh, when they signed Fabinho um, yesterday, who will join in July from Monaco. Um, Sergio I'm I'm guessing that uh you've you've seen Fabinho play quite a lot um he's part of the Chelsea et etc etc uh do you think it's a good signing for Liverpool at around 40 million uh, pounds
2: He's uh, definitely a very very good signing for Liverpool he's a, he's a really good player a good team player <clears throat> very aggressive um good uh, in his positioning the the funny thing is that Fabinho, is he has uh, he has a uh, a strange record on his career because he has played. He was a Rio Ave player actually. Um, he, he, he was brought uh, from from Brazil to Portugal by by Jorge Mendes mm-hmm. uh, when he was really young. And he's a, he was at Rio Ave. He didn't play that much in Rio Ave. He was so young. But then he moved from Rio Ave to Real Madrid um, in a in a strange transfer. Um, and he went on loan to it was he was in real madrid uh, castilla the the b team, the b team went yeah. on loan. then he went on loan to monaco then monaco paid six million euros for him um and rioave uh, it's it's a small club in portugal uh, so they work a lot with judgment it's true that uh, they also had the top players like ederson for instance uh, mm-hmm. he was there at rioav um, they have a midfielder now who may go to England, which is Pele. But um, he was a player; I don't think he has ever played for for Rewav. Um and he was playing in top teams, loaned uh, by Riwav, which was a bit strange. Um, now he's a forty million euro player, which uh, I think Riwav is going to get some money from from that. Yeah, but it's probably just uh, just a bit. Mm. And
1: and Duncan, do you? I mean. The other thing about Fabinho is, of course, that he's played right back, hasn't he, for um, much of his time at Monaco. And yet um, his, he thinks himself his main position is in defensive midfield or even attacking midfield. It, he's 24. He's obviously got a lot of skill. But I can't help think that the price tag for, for a guy who's not
0: sure what his, right, his actual correct position is might be a little bit high. Well, it's actually higher than 40. It's, uh, it's 50 million euros with, with bonuses. Um, Oh, okay, which has been his price tag uh, since last summer. He almost—he uh, was very close to moving last summer. In fact, he'd been promised he would be allowed to leave Monaco after the Champions League. Um, he was on the point of joining Paris Saint-Germain um, in tandem with Mbappe, um, and PSG were not able to get that deal through because UEFA had started to put the, the FFP screws on, and you know, which is why they didn't buy Mbappe straight out and did it in this, this convoluted loan deal instead. Um, I think Liverpool have done uh, some incredible work here. I, he's This is a player who's been chased by Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City, Manchester United, um, Juventus. All, all of them have, have had a goal at trying to sign him. Um, Liverpool have known, as all of these other clubs did, that he would get to leave this summer. He was one of the, the, the players that... Um, uh, the Russian owners of Monaco identified as being uh, an individual that could make their annual summer profit on. Um, the price was clear to everyone. Liverpool got in quickly. Um, they have been working on this deal for months, I, I, I discovered um, last night. Um, and Jurgen Klopp was um, very much involved in meeting Fabinho in person, selling his project to Fabinho and... Essentially, after um, Fabinho met Klopp, he told his agent to cancel all discussions with other clubs. Um, this was the one he wanted to move to. So, you know, in principle, Liverpool shouldn't have got a player like Fabinho, but because the other clubs weren't hadn't necessarily placed him as their top target, or in Paris Saint Germain's case, weren't sure they would have the money to to do it this summer, they. Um, managed to get ahead of the queue by persuading the player that he was wanted more there. Um, you, you talk about his position. Uh, it was interesting looking at what Klopp said uh, about the signing last night. He mentioned that he can play in a lot of... Uh, he has very tactically intelligent, play in a lot of areas. Number two, right-back. Number six as a holding midfielder. And number eight as a box-to-box midfielder. He kind of split half his time at Monaco between right-back and the and the two midfield positions. Initially, right back because the midfield positions were filled, and then uh, Jardine moved him into uh, the middle because he felt he was a better tactical option for the team for that last season, and that was the season where they went all the way to the Champions League semi-finals and won the won the French league against um, Paris Saint Germain's huge financial advantage. Um, I think this is this is one of the most impressive transfers I've seen. Uh, from an english football club i think it will make a huge difference to liverpool i think their midfield is has been weak um they the, all of all of the players they've had in midfield are quite limited from the point of view of um their they either have a limitation on mobility or they have a limitation on passing ability um or their age uh fabinho has neither of those he's tall he's he's, he's strong in the air he scores a lot of goals um you'll add another dimension to that Liverpool midfield. So, um, they've, they've immediately, I think, given themselves um, seven, eight, nine points in next year's Premier League title race by getting this deal through.
2: He's a top, top player, That's true. That's very,
0: impressive. That's very, That's impressive, very Duncan. impressive, Duncan.
2: Seven,
1: eight, nine seven points. Eight, nine uh, Sergio, you'll uh, we'll need, we'll need more than that, obviously, but
0: then uh, we expect
1: <laughs> So, Sergio I, Sergio, I read that uh, Roberto Firmino had a big part to play. He, he spoke to Fabinho on the phone. He sold Liverpool to him, etc., etc. Obviously, uh, Fabinho lo- lost his, his his little soulmate in Coutinho to Barcelona last January. Is this uh, Fabinho's new best mate? Do you think coming to the to the club?
2: Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine he will be because uh, Brazilians is is a bit like the Portuguese people when they are abroad. They they tend to gather. You know, it's and i'm i'm pretty sure firmino will be the guy that will guide uh, and take care of fabinho in the in the first uh, in the first month and of course they know each other from the national team of brazil so um i guess i guess uh, it's obviously it it's it's going to happen like that it will be natural um but as duncan said i, I totally agree that that fabinho will will upgrade a lot the team of liverpool uh, i mean he's, he's a really good intelligent player and uh, he's like a team captain. He was a, a team captain in Monaco. I'm not sure if he wore the armband, but he's the kind of uh, the player that the manager thought it was like his, his extension on the pitch. Mm. Very uh, cool. as The way he read the game and the way he understood the game. So it's also,
0: cool. oh, He also has a very good personality. He's a very humble, hardworking individual. He he, he was essentially messed around <laughs> by, by Monaco uh, last summer. Um that he'd been promised that he would be allowed out and uh, the deal they didn't, there was blocks internally on that deal happening as well as Paris Saint-Germain financial play problems. We've seen that this happen with players in the past and they basically laid down tools and um, forced their move. Rabinu did the opposite Um, he he continued to be a central figure in the team Um, I think he was rewarded with a pay rise from Monaco um, and he was obviously told, you will get out this summer. Um, and then Liverpool. Well, one other thing we should mention is Liverpool have been very clever here in um, less than 48 hours after their um, their Champions League um, catastrophe, I think. is probably a, a fair way to describe what happened to their goalkeeper and the, and the way they, they lost that game. They managed to um, uh, announce this transfer essentially out of the blue. Um, and give their um, give their fans a, a real positive um, story and something to, which is becoming increasingly important to supporters these days, something to hit back at, at uh, opposition supporters on social media with. On social media, days. yeah. And you see a lot of supporters talking about how he turned down Manchester United to um, to join Jurgen Klopp um, uh, today.
1: Now, Sergio, I know that Sergio, the re- record uh, obviously records. followed the Brazil national team. very closely as well, um, we couldn't really uh, have you on the Transfer Window podcast without saying, what's going on with Allison? He's got a lovely name, he plays very well for Roma, Liverpool seem to be linked with him every single day, and yet Monchi, their sporting director, says uh, no, we've had no contact. Do you think there's a possibility for Liverpool and Allison?
2: Well, um, I, I wouldn't know that... Uh, um, but he's a top goalkeeper, of course. Uh, I think, um, of course, Kariusz had the, uh, probably the worst game I ever seen a goalkeeper have, especially for being such a, an important game, it was terrible. Uh, but uh, I don't think Kariusz is, is uh, the worst goalkeeper in the world, honestly. Uh, uh I, before the game, I actually thought he was. Not a top uh, five top ten goalkeeper in the world, but a good goalkeeper. Um, I'm not sure what Liverpool will, will do with him. probably the pressure of the fans will ha- will be will lead them to sign a goalkeeper. Alisson is uh, the best uh, out there, probably outside of England to, to sign uh, if if they can get uh, Oblak from Atletico Madrid, I would say probably Allison is, is a better choice but um but the english game is is also uh, tough and very difficult for a goalkeeper the way they play in the premier league and sometimes uh, a a guy can be a a goalkeeper can be really good in italy but uh, um, not be so good in 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 england because the english game uh, requires a lot of aggressiveness uh, lots of crosses lots of 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 ability to be in physical um, physical confrontation all the time with the strikers, the referees are not, not protecting the goalkeepers as much as they protect in other countries. So, um, uh, Alison, I, I think Alisson would be great uh, for Liverpool, but uh, uh, sometimes th- things don't work like that.
1: Not a lot has been said, certainly outside of Portugal, Sergio, about the crisis which has enveloped Sporting Lisbon. and. I, for one, who grew up, uh, you know, uh, worshipping the great sporting sides in the uh, of 90s and 2000s, mainly because of their hoop strip, which reminds me of my own team, Celtic. Uh, but uh, it's been crazy, hasn't it, these last couple of years? But it but then has become even more crazy these last few weeks with um, players being assaulted by their own fans. And then the president's response, Sergio. I mean, what's going on at Sporting?
2: Well, uh, it's it has been, the past two months have, have been really, really lots of things happening over here. I think, well, the, the, the highest, um, the, the biggest thing that happened, the uh, most important thing was the assault that about uh, 50 ultras of the fan uh, did to the um, club's academy. They invaded the dressing room of the players, of the professional players, and they assaulted some of them, uh, like Bas Dost, uh, William Carvalho, um, Acuna, who is now in the um, Argentinian national team, mm-hmm. um, Rui Patricio, the goalkeeper, several players were, were assaulted, and, and some of them, even the manager, uh, Jorge Jesus, who is a 64-year-old man, uh, he was left bleeding uh, after being punched on the face. So it, it was a terrible thing, it was before the cup final they were they were going to play, they didn't train that week before the cup final um, there was a lot of issues um, there was even we, um, the government had the, um had the, open up the possibility of, of postponing the cup final for, to august because they they felt they were um, afraid of, of um, uh, confrontations uh, mm-hmm. on the stands and the national stadium is not uh, is not very secure it's an old stadium uh, so it, it was a national issue, not only a sporting issue over here. Um, but I think it all started before. It was it all started in early May when the sporting Lisbon lost 2-0 at uh, Atlético Madrid for the Europa League's uh, quarterfinals. Uh, after the game, they lost 2-0 with uh, two defensive mistakes, two terrible defensive mistakes by uh, Coates and uh, Jeremy Mathieu, the, the both centre-backs. And after the game, the, the club president, Bruno De Carvalho, was, was a bit controversial. Uh, he went to his Facebook page and, and made a long post criticizing the players, saying that uh, instead of playing with 11 men, we just played with uh, 9. Uh, some players took uh, took themselves out of the second leg uh, by taking yellow cards. And he was hmm. mentioning uh, Fabio Quentrão and Bas Dost um and the players didn't like it it was a big mess back then there was uh, arguments there was uh and that relationship between the president and and the and the, the players was uh, was uh, broken by then uh the coach uh, stood by the players and so everything was in the club was shattered and after they lost the last game at maritimo they were out of champions league football which was very, really important for the, for the the club they There was some argument between some players in, and the fans in the airport at Madeira before they flew back to Lisbon. and when two days later the, the, some some of the fans and some of them were that were in Madeira arguing with the players, they went to the dressing room and they 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 assaulted the players. twenty three fans were arrested. They are now in jail, uh, waiting for a trial. Um, the club, uh, the there are players who are considering to breach the contracts with just clause because they they accuse the club of not uh, of not uh, keeping the the workplace safe. Yeah, protecting them. Yeah, protecting them. There, there was also there was also some some actually the players some players were convinced that the the president was behind all that. Uh, there's no proof of, of involvement from the board, but there's, uh, there was news already that the players were, were convinced that, that the, the, the president had, had uh, something to do with it, with the assault. And, uh, Sergio,
0: Sergio the, the president was a member of one of the ultras.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was a member of one of the ultras. Um, <clears throat> actually, after the Tático Madrid game, it was in April, In the meeting they had uh, at the stadium after the game, it was a really bad and ugly meeting with lots of insults, lots of nearly physical confrontation. Um, The president uh, showed um, had to have one of the uh, ultras leaders on the phone to tell uh, William Carvalho, who is a team captain, uh, to tell William Carvalho on speakers uh, to tell him that uh, he has, he has uh, nothing to do with the threats because back then the players were getting receiving some threats from appar- apparently from the ultras and uh, and the president had to to try to prove to the players that he had nothing to do with that. but of course the players are are suspecting he has something to do with that. Um, right now the players have one month uh, this happened on uh, the, the assault in the, in the dressing room was, happened on the on May 14th. May 15th sorry Uh, and uh, the players have uh, 30 days to to um, uh, to plea for just cause to file for that yeah yeah absolutely Sergio so they have until the June 14th to do it it's two weeks from now from our information is that uh, players like Acuna who sporting play paid uh, more than 10 million euros uh, last summer is one of the players that wants to go and he's willing to do it. Uh, even Rodrigo Bataglia, another Argentinian. Um, Bas Dost, he wants to leave. Uh, William Carvalho wants to leave. Um, Rui Patricio, apparently, they are negotiating him to Napoli. Um even players like Gelson Martins. It's a lot, lots of... Uh, Bruno Fernandes, another Portuguese uh, international player that is going to be in the World Cup with Portugal. Lots of uh, good players that could be available uh, in the market if uh, the club that signs them like, is willing to, to take the risk of later paying something. Actually, yeah. I
0: mean... And, Duncan, and this the, is the, the coach is suspended as well isn't he sergio is no no no
2: actually it, it's another another mess after after they lose at Madeira with Maritim and it it was a week before the cup final uh, which they were playing um the coach and the, all the all his team they were called to, for a meeting by the president and, and the president told them uh, told them, we feel you, you have no conditions to stay, so you're going to leave and in the next uh, days you're going to receive um I don't know how to say it in english but you're going to receive a notification that you have a uh will start proceedings to to sack you mm-hmm. and meanwhile they, he played the cup final they lost the cup final against Avish, um and he uh it was uh, two weeks ago and he still hasn't received any notification he hasn't is nothing right now he has one year left in his contract and he doesn't know sporting are supposed to start new season uh, to to work in the 21st of june And uh, right now, he doesn't know if he's going to be the coach or not. Nobody knows who's going to be the coach. Um, They want Sapinto, the um, Portuguese uh, former sporting player that uh, finished second in the Belgium League with Standard Liege and won the Belgium Cup. Uh, But they they have an issue with uh, Jorge Jesus, the the coach, because uh, his gross salary is 7.8 million euros a year. And uh, there's not many clubs willing to pay that. And probably they, they will have to pay the whole salary to the coach until the end of the next season. And Duncan, amid these extraordinary and distressful
1: circumstances, football being what it is, there will be some vultures hovering, won't there, over um, Sporting's um, top players in terms of the, looking for a, a bargain. Just Justin Martins, who um, Sergio mentioned, has been linked
0: to several English clubs. Yeah, of course, Um the Sporting have long been known for the quality of their academy and the quality of the players they have in their team. And they've been a a club um, that have been scouted heavily. I, I think part of Bruno de Carvalho's reign has been to try and avoid selling players off on the cheap. That's been one of the, the ways he's he's sold himself to the, the Sporting supporters. But he's maybe worked himself into a position where he could lose some top talents for nothing. Um the Sporting an interesting club. I mean, I've, I've worked close to Portuguese football for a long time. Um, I talked to a lot of agents. Um, you'll always hear agents complaining about um, certain club presidents and people who are difficult to work with in the game. Daniel Levy would probably be the, the arch example in, in English football. Um, I've never heard a president described in the way Bruno de Carvalho is. And, and I know of several high-profile agents who've completely washed their hands of, of dealing with him um, and, and let their players um, go and work with other agents rather than have to, to to deal with that individual. So it gives you a sense of where a club can go in these circumstances. And um, he, he describes himself as the president's supporter. Yeah, um, yeah. And, nice. and he says that
2: this will be the future the, of other clubs. He, he wants to make a standard for the other clubs, the president's supporter, yeah.
0: Would you recommend that future, Sergio, given you what you think of it?
2: Honestly not. I, I think, I think uh, too many of his decisions are, taken by the fa- are made by the fact that he's a fan. And um, first of all, he did a lot of good things in sporting. Uh, uh, the, the, the fact that they became harder negotiators, it, it's very good for the club. Because instead of losing the players uh, like João Moutinho who was a team captain for, for rivals FC Porto for 10 million euros, they are selling players like João Mario for 40 million euros and Islam Slimani for 30 and Adrian for uh, 22 or 23. Of course, it's way better than, uh, for the club. But then, the way he keeps making things public and criticizing the players publicly calling calling him he called them spoiled brats uh, after the Atletico Madrid game publicly in a Facebook post, uh, and of course he, he totally minds the confidence of the of the group of the, of the team with the, these kind of statements um, and,
0: and the big the big gamble on george jesus because you, you mentioned the salary there seven point eight million euros, which is a high salary. Um, for a manager anywhere in European football but from what I understand that's that's probably five times what um, the Benfica and Porto coaches are getting so he took this example yeah, yeah. to
2: yeah,
0: buy George Jesus from Benfica after winning multiple titles and, and the return has been what, one, one Portuguese Cup and one Portuguese League Cup? Uh,
2: no, no, it was one Portuguese League Cup and one Super Cup, Portuguese Super Cup
0: Okay, even worse then?
2: Worse, yeah in three I,
1: seasons, yeah. I'm not one for making predictions, guys, but somehow, somewhere, I see in the future George Mendes as president of Sporting Lisbon and Cristiano Ronaldo as player-manager. I think is a perfect fit. And they will bring sanity back to that great club. And indeed, the green and white hoops will prevail once again in, the, in Portugal. And I sincerely hope that's the case. Um, sorry to all you Porto and Benfica fans who are listening in. Um, I'm going to switch attention though, guys, to... Um, the World Cup, because it's, it's almost upon us. We have uh, less than a month to go before the uh, the tournament starts. Sergio, I'd like to ask you, before we go into the legendary quickfire round, yeah. we'll ask you guys um, if a notable country will survive the first round, i.e. the group stage. Just a little bit about Cristiano Ronaldo. He obviously didn't play against Tunisia last night because he was given extended time off in the 2-2 draw. Um, what do you think of his... It's uh, sort of World Cup prospects, obviously, uh, as going into the tournament as European champions. There's a lot of expectation um, and Cristiano being the figurehead and, and the superstar player. Uh, what's the feeling in Portugal about uh, the campaign ahead?
2: Well, um, everybody's putting the hopes on, on Cristiano Ronaldo for the national team, of course. Um, it's impossible to think uh, that Portugal has some chance to go far in the World Cup without uh, Cristiano Ronaldo being at this top level. Um, um, Ten years ago, we had, a, a, like in the World Cup 2006 and Euro 2004, uh, the, the, the team had a lot of quality. And right now, uh, if you ask me who is the second best player of Portugal, uh, it's a hard question for me. Probably I would say Bernardo Silva, uh, but if you take Bernardo Silva out, there's, a, there's a, definitely lack of top players. You know, There's talent, there's quality, but uh, we don't have, a, uh, apart from Ronaldo, it's, it's not a, um, a great, great, great squad. It's a good squad, but not a great squad. In Portugal, everybody's, uh, even the, this is the official <clears throat> speech from the manager, from the players, is that we're not candidates, but we will try to win it. I think uh, it's probably the, trying to put some ambition uh, to to the public. Um, uh, the group is not... It's quite hard for Portugal, especially for, for us. I think Spain is definitely way better than, than Portugal. I don't see uh, Portugal uh, beating Spain in the first game. Then we, Portugal will have to play Morocco and Iran, which are two teams that will probably spend most of the time defending and closing the, the spaces. Mm-hmm. And Portugal really struggles when they have, to, when they have to, to be in charge of a game. You know, it happened in the Euros, actually. Portugal won the Euros because the group stage, they were struggling in the, in the first three games against Austria, Hungary and Iceland. Because they have to had to be in charge of the game. They, they do, Portugal drew the three games and after that uh, against uh, Croatia, Portugal was defending, they were better against France in the final they, will, they were defending all the time and they they were eventually they won the game. So the kind of game that, that allows Portugal to be uh, waiting for the opponent, uh, it's better. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm not very optimistic for this World Cup. But uh, if we pass to the last 16, uh, of course anything can happen. Honestly, uh, apart from that, with Cristiano Ronaldo, he, we can win every game. So, but I'm not very optimistic uh, on that. Uh, the good thing is that the manager is uh, is a quite um, sensible man. You know, he has he has the good touch, good, uh, it's good uh, keeping the players happy, and mm. everybody in the squad feels feels That uh, uh, they have, uh, they are in the right place. So that could could be a good thing. I, I don't see things happening like we did in France uh, in 2010. Players uh, giving up on the national team. It's not, not going to happen. I think the, the team will be very united. Well, given that
1: insight, Sergio, um, I can lead into the quick fire round where we're going to discuss okay. which of the big nations will or won't progress in the group <clears throat> stage with. Uh, some uh, Yeah, some sort of uh, enthusiasm about um, Portugal's chances regarding what you've just told me. However, Duncan, I'm going to start with you. And uh, what I said, I, w- I would like you to tell me whether or not this team will progress from the group stage. And your first one is
0: England. England, I think, um, will just about get through the group stage um, as they usually do, um, mainly because... Well, they didn't, they didn't in Brazil. They didn't in Brazil, but they tend to they tend to just make it through the group stage and go out in the, the knockout stage. Um, and that's exactly what I'd expect them to do here. I think because they've been drawn in a group with Panama and Tunisia, they should have just about enough to get past those two.
1: Can I, um, can I just... can I just, uh, just uh, You may know this, Duncan, I'm sure you do, but there's not a single player in the England squad as it stands who's won a World Cup match. I
0: mean, well, that, at what qualifiers... That's what happens when you pick such a young squad, mm. um, and uh, I I don't have a lot of faith in England. I don't see them uh, doing anything more than than they've done in past tournaments, which as as I say tends to be get through the group stage, get knocked out in the, the first knockout game they play. But I I think um, they should be strong enough to get past Tunisia and Panama. If they've been drawn into a harder group, I could see them getting knocked out in the group stage, but if they go out to Tunisia and Panama, then Gareth Southgate has got serious problems.
1: Sergio, I'm going to ask you to put your um, objective hat on rather than your Portugal cap and say, will Portugal get through the grip stage? Uh,
2: I think so. I think it will be hard, but I think so. Probably with uh, one win, one draw and one, one defeat with four points, maybe we can get, go through with goal difference or something. With cold difference,
1: there's a confident <laughs> man in his t- in his nation. <clears throat> you
2: no, know, I hope Spain. That. I hope Spain wins the three games.
1: So, mm, so it makes you it makes it easier for you. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Like it, tactical thinking there, Sergio of Duncan. Will Russia progress from the group stage with Vladimir Putin at centre half?
0: <laughs> I think I think Vladimir Putin at centre half is is probably the key figure for Russia. Um, <laughs> I note that, um, that the uh, the drug uh, investigation into the Russian team, which threatened uh, to cost them several other players, has been um, set aside by FIFA, which is one help. Um, they're in a relatively easy group, which um, often happens with the host nation. Um, I think. Whatever are you
1: saying, Duncan?
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm saying something similar to what Michel Plattery, Michel Plattery
1: said in an interview last weekend. Indeed, well done.
0: Um. I I think uh, we will see if they have any particular problems that they might get a little bit, a bit of assistance from the referee or the, the video assisting referees. Um, I think in this tournament in particular, FIFA will want to see them um, last uh, a relatively long um, time because this is not a good place to be having um, a World Cup, especially in the current political climate. So um, allowing the Russian team to continue is probably... A helpful thing for the tournament, and they should be better than Saudi Arabia. Um, Uruguay would be definitely be a worry for them, and Egypt um, could surprise. Um, but Egypt obviously have this problem with Mo Salah. Um, I expect Mo Salah to be at the World Cup, um, regardless of the severity of his injury. Um, I think it's one of those where they so important to the team that he must go so important to the nation that he must go. And it's one of those situations where they'll, they'll probably risk playing him even if he's not fully recovered. Um, and from the, from the player's point of view, he must have an awareness that this, this might be his only chance to go to a World Cup. And it's, um, it's really very um, very sad that this has happened to him in the Champions League final just before a World Cup, which, in which he's not only unified a, a nation, that is not in a good place in the moment but he's kind of unified the Arab world around him as a player Um, and they've they've, I don't think they're going to see the best of him whatever happens at the World Cup sadly
1: So there were Russia I think Duncan and are going through Putin at centre-half is going to be a great addition to the squad I'm sure Vladimir would agree with that Mm -hmm. Um, Sergio for you the magnificence of the Selecao of Brazil will they they get to the, the group stage? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, really
0: of
2: course, you... course they will. Of course they will. Um, Switzerland is always um, can be a, a tough opponent, but Brazil are much better, especially Brazil with Tite. Um, I think. I think honestly, they have Costa Rica. They they will easily pass Costa Rica. I think. Serbia, it's it's always a very inconsistent team. So. I think they will not struggle to go through, and I honestly think they are one probably the the biggest candidate to win the World Cup right now. They are with, especially if, if they have Neymar fully fit, uh, let's see how how Neymar is is doing. I think he will play some friendly games before the World Cup. Um, um, so let's see let's see if Neymar is fully fit and is playing at a good level. I totally think Brazil will will be the main candidate to win the World Cup.
1: Gotta love a man who wears his opinion on his chest. Now, (laughs) just to mix things up a little, both of you are going to have a team who is in the same group as the first team that you have both already said will go through. Uh, Duncan, you said England will go through. However, Belgium are in that group. Will Belgium go through too, or will it be a duel?
0: (laughs) I think Belgium will go through again for the same reasons England will go through. It's just it's not it's not a very strong group. What I would say about Belgium is um, they are kind of being presented as as the dark horses, the team you want to put your money on, um, because of the obvious quality of players they have in their squad. Um, what I hear from people who you know spend a lot of time with the Belgian camp is the Belgian players don't see themselves as as realistic candidates to win the World Cup. There there's not a huge amount of faith in the tactics they play and in the coach um, and they have a weight of history against them and that they've, they've they've been into tournaments before with expectations high and they've never really delivered so um, what I would advise our listeners is if you're thinking about betting in Belgium as, a, as an outside bet for the World Cup I would steer away from that one.
1: Well, we always do love a bit of betting advice on this show, it has to be said, although uh, Johnny McFarlane is currently um, having to pay for his holiday by washing dishes, having to his money on Carlo Ancelotti as uh, the next Chelsea manager, who, of course, has joined Napoli. Good luck with have Johnny. Uh,
0: I, I think Johnny's OK, because he put some money on my 3-1 score prediction for the Champions League oh, final. Oh, well, there we go.
1: There we, Johnny, we're pleased to hear that you and your wife managed to avoid the dishwashing. Uh, Sergio, uh, last but not least, I'm going to ask you what will happen with spain uh in the group with portugal
2: well uh, i i told you i think spain will win the three games and i hope they do because well of course uh, if they don't beat portugal it's nice but i think they will beat portugal and i think and i hope they, they will beat iran and morocco as well um i i can imagine Uh, Them as I said, I said Brazil is is the first candidate. I think I think Spain is probably the second candidate to win the World Cup. They are a really really strong team, Uh, um, especially the way they they, they did in the um, in the qualifying games. They were totally outstanding, and they are uh, with with this guy Lapetegui. They have increased. they, they lost some of the the, the tiki taka they have, but they still have that, and they they have a different kind of players, uh, fast strikers like Rodrigo, Yago Aspas. They have they have a really really <clears> strong <throat> squad, and they play as a team. They are really strong as well. So. I wouldn't be surprised if they play Brazil. I think they can meet in the semifinals. I'm not sure uh, but if 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 they don't meet in the semifinals i I can easily imagine a final between Spain and Brazil in this World Cup. I think they are the two strongest teams that will go to Russia.
0: I think we should just say there, Ian, we have, a, we have a lot of complaints about bias in football journalism. I think we should note that we have a Portuguese football journalist <laughs> who has not only identified their one of their great rivals, Brazil, as the, the main candidate for the World Cup, he's actually said he hopes that Iberian neighbours beat his own team in the World Cup.
2: No, so, uh, I I, 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 mean I was thinking I, that… He well, didn't say hope, hope. He he thought. <laughs> no, then not I, be I corrected, Because I hope they beat Iran and Morocco. Because I think, I think um, Portugal. Um, that's my prediction. Portugal will go to the last game, uh, hoping that Spain also wins the last game, so that we can go through in 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 goal differences.
0: <laughs> well, I was, so I was, sure. I was, I was applauding your impartiality, Sergio. That's, yeah, that's he was. was It was a compliment, yeah. Sergio.
2: Please, please on, don't, don't, uh, don't uh, identify me on Twitter in this podcast or uh, tomorrow. Yes, I lose but my unfortunately, unfortunately,
1: <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately for you, Sergio, the sirens we heard in the background are the police coming to arrest you.
2: No, oh, the for, for, services for, are coming. Okay,
1: for, for grand treason <laughs> against Cristiano Ronaldo and the Portuguese nation, and as we bid you, as we bid you farewell to your prison cell. We will also say goodbye to our listeners in this Transfer With The Podcast. Uh, We thank you for uh, listening to us and we also ask you to join in the discussion and debate after we have gone. You can do that on Twitter uh, and you can also download the podcast on iTunes and ACAS Uh, please uh, like and recommend us. It makes it easier for you to receive the podcast next time, next Tuesday. And it also means that other people can share it more easily. And therefore, we will all be one big happy family, except, of course, for Sergio's family, who will be saying goodbye to him for 10 years uh, when he goes to prison. Uh, I want to thank you. I want to start with to thank Sergio Grittinas for uh, for coming on with us today and uh, putting his life on the line uh, with his uh, predictions of the World Cup. Sergio, it's been a pleasure and thank you very much for being with us. Uh, We also want to thank Duncan Castles for leading the uh, podcast with uh, exclusive news about Manchester United's interest in Diego Dalot who is a uh, right-back FC Porto and um, is has interested uh, Jose Mourinho very much in terms of recruiting him for next season. Obviously, if you want to continue the debate after the podcast ends, you can um, do so on social media. Uh, You can do so with our Twitter um, handles, which are at Chrisanus, K-R-I-T-H-I-N-A-S for Sergio, at Duncan Castles, very much easier to um, remember, and for myself, at Garbo SJ, uh, and until next week or next Tuesday please uh, download the podcast on iTunes or Acast like and recommend and make it easier for you and your friends to join us and we will be with you next week again goodbye